Hey, if you haven't already seen the episode of Star Trek Voyager we're reviewing today, this is an episode that deals pretty clumsily with indigenous identity and indigenous upbringing. We obviously can't spend an entire episode talking about that because we're a comedy podcast that trades in dick jokes, but we know that can be a really tough issue for some folks, so we just wanted to give you a heads up. Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your bad son. I'm Captain Captain Dingway, the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Dingway, the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys. Just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Extra oomph behind the names today. <laughs> yeah. We're back across town from each other, where mm-hmm. we belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, socially distanced and uh, distant socially. Uh, <laughs> you can't possibly have that much raw sexual energy mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. same room for too long. Right. Without well, needing a break. Well, I also just, uh, I'm very um, I'm very private when it comes to the family Bible, you know? I don't <laughs> like share that volume with a lot of people. And uh, we had talked about doing a Bible study on uh, today's open, uh, so I was, I'm, I'm just glad you're not here in the room with me to to look at. Yeah, I mean, last time I was in that room, I saw your uh, picture of Jesus painting on the wall with the eyes that seem to follow you around mm-hmm, mm-hmm. everywhere, really deep, penetrating eyes. <laughs> You know, a lot of controversy about the white Jesus or the black Jesus or what have you, but I think I'm just really... Uh, mystified that you chose the robot Jesus to be the one that <laughs> that's on your wall, Ben. Well, that's just how I'm wired, buddy. Do you want to get into uh, this holiest of books, the Star Trek Voyager production Bible? It's good to see you all in church. It's called the Bible. That's the way God wants it. I don't know why, dude. All these questions? Is a little blind faith too much to ask? All right, I'm, uh, I'm getting prepared for Bible study in the way that's probably best. <laughs> Interestingly, Chakotay, the third character to come up in the show Bible. I would not have guessed that. Who's number two? Do you want to throw out a guess of who number two is? I'm guessing Tuvok. It's Tom Paris. What? Yeah, the character... Okay. With the, I guess, the most to redeem, I suppose, from a Starfleet point of view. Yeah, but it sure does feel like we're done with that. Yeah. Like, like redemption has been has been deemed. It's done. Yeah. There's still a lot of interest in the in the Tom Paris character. He's, he's, oh yeah. He gets he gets chewier and chewier, I think. Oh, because he's the pilot of the ship, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, That's one of them, their uh, smart jokes. Here's the entry on Chakotay, because today's episode is a Chakotay episode. All right. The first officer is a complex, hold for laughter, some would say difficult man. (laughs) His background is unique. He spans two cultures, one foot in each, belonging to both yet to neither. In the 22nd century, a group of Indian traditionalists became dissatisfied with the homogenization 
of humans that was occurring on Earth. Strongly motivated to preserve their cultural identity, they relocated to a remote planet near what has now become known as the Demilitarized Zone. Chakotay is a member of that Indian nation, but was always what his people called a contrary. He had a mind of his own, an individualistic rather than communal way of thinking. Though proud of his heritage and his traditions, he was not satisfied to ignore the galaxy around him, a galaxy teeming with diverse life forms and amazing technology. He broke from his people, educated himself in the ways of the 24th century, and attended Starfleet Academy. But he was contrary at the Academy also, and found he had difficulty adhering to the rigid codes and rules. He was commissioned and posted to the Merrimack just after the end of the Cardassian Wars, when he learned that his people were becoming the victims of attacks by the Cardassians, he left Starfleet to defend them, joining the then-infant group. Chakotay never gave up his practice of traditional rituals, and he preserves them aboard Voyager. In his quarters is an Indian altar and other traditional fetishes. One wall contains a version of traditional mural art. By the 24th century, Indians have developed a technology which allows them to experience vision quests in a completely safe way. Chakotay has a spirit guide. Wow, we just found out what his spirit guide is. Oh, we're going to have to bleep that out. Oh, yeah. He has a reverence for all living things. He will not eat meat. He takes no drugs or alcohol. As a leader, he is steady, fearless, and capable of inspiring absolute devotion. Though he comes on to Voyager more by necessity than choice, he quickly wins the respect of even the most diehard Starfleet veterans. He strikes an immediate and powerful bond with Janeway, an unusual one with Kim, who, through Chakotay's example, begins to question his own homogenization and the loss of his traditional values. Wow. Kind of a twist ending on that. I didn't really see the Kim connection coming. No, not at all. I, I, I don't feel like they've written to that much. No. So far, anyway. They haven't spent much time together in a one-on-one kind of way, right? Yeah. Chakotay's always crashing a shuttle with other people. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting write-up. A character that on the page sounds a lot more complex than than who we've gotten up till now in, uh, in Voyager. I don't think that's unfair to say. Yeah. I think that the the character caught between worlds is a is a real like beloved fave of the Star Trek writers' rooms. You know, yeah. I mean, starting with Spock, you they love exploring the idea of a character that like doesn't fully belong on one side of the line or the other. And uh, it's interesting to think of Chakotay as being in that tradition. I don't think I've really thought about it in that way before. I think it's what makes. Starfleet such a aspirational place. You know, if Starfleet is a, is a place, I've often said Star <laughs> Trek is a place, Yeah. but Starfleet is a place for people who do those kinds of splits. Right. Right? Yeah. You don't have to do the splits <laughs> at Starfleet Academy. It's not that kind of physical fitness training. It's a marathon. We yeah. know that much, but but no splits required. And, and that's where these people from all these different backgrounds are able to find... Uh, some belonging. That's where they find some flexibility. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, do you want to uh, get into the episode that we came to talk about? So ends the reading, Ben. Uh, a piece of Star Trek Voyager with you. And uh, a girder upon you. <laughs> 
I'm glad we did the Bible study before starting this episode because I made a very conscious choice not to read anything about the pre or post production of this episode, none of the reaction uh-huh. to it. I kind of felt like this might be a kind of landmine sort of episode, and I really wanted to approach it with an open mind. Like, I don't want to bring a bunch of hate to a thing knowing how it was conceived. Like, I want to figure out whether or not this is a good Star Trek episode, and that's what I'm here to do. So I'm just going to say that right off the top. Yeah, I mean, I think that we've... Uh, if if this is the first time you've listened to The Greatest Generation, go back. We've uh, discussed at length some of the problems with the depictions of Native American culture in Star Trek generally and this series specifically in, in previous episodes. But uh, I think that's a reasonable goal. Like, let's just assess yeah. this as an episode. I don't want to lard up every episode or every moment having to do with Chakotay with, like, I don't want to load it up with that again. Like, it just makes it makes the exercise less fun. We all know what's going on here. Yeah. It's not great. It's not great. Yeah. One step out, not great. Let's uh, let's take one step in and see whether, whether it's okay or not. <laughs> I'm glad uh, we all know what's going on here. It's not great. Isn't the last thing said before we introduce Star Trek Voyager Season 2, Episode 9, Tattoo. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. <laughs> we start in media quarry. What have you got, Lieutenant? We ain't found shit! Tuvok has been shot from this angle before. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Very familiar. Yeah, BLT and Neelix are there, as is Chakotay. They're on a a rocky moon. There's some kind of um, maintenance that needs doing so that the, uh, that the warp engines can keep running. And they need a particular substance to do it. And they've been kind of like poking around lots of different places. And this, this ain't it, brother. They need the raw materials... <laughs> to to scrub the inside of their warp core. God, they, I'm never going to live this down. <laughs> what they need to do is find uh, find those jugs of the liquid that you have to drink before a colonoscopy. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they do. Uh, but instead, what they find is a weird diagram on the ground. Somebody has like poured some chalk, like maybe like cleared a little bit of dirt and poured some chalk in this in this very particular pattern. It's like a spiral with some triangles and some other spirals around it you'll see these sometimes if you go to like float a river or something (laughs) and for a long time people thought they were cool like to to see these things drawn on the ground but then we learned later that they're actually bad for the environment right (laughs) right yeah and they're made up uh uh, chakotay is called over to take a look at this by tuvok and neelix and in looking at it kind of flashes back and we uh we meet young chakotay and his dad and a couple of other guys and they are kind of trudging through a jungle chakotay's dad looks like he got the knockoff (laughs) indiana jones costume like they can't use the branding of indiana jones so it's just it's just called like archaeology hero or something Uh, like that (laughs) yeah and uh i mean you recognize this guy right he's one of the admirals from the nubbins episode conspiracy oh man yeah he sure is he's the vulcan admiral who uh who who's been nubbed eat hearty brother relish in your body the sky spirits must have taken the wrong turn somewhere. 
Great to see him again. He like that face. I'll never forget that face. Mostly because <laughs> I'll never forget that episode. He's kind of trying to pass along the ways of his people to young Chakotay, who is playing the role of the teen that is just not into the same shit his dad is into. Like, yeah, dad, golf is your hobby. I don't care for it. Kind of a vibe here. It seemed as though uh, another thing this actor wasn't into was using his own voice. Did, did it seem like all of his dialogue was looped to you? Oh, I wonder if that was because they were shooting by a river and it was not usable audio from the location, or that would make sense. Yeah. Or yeah, I don't know. Uh, or maybe it's somebody else's voice. I uh, I didn't read anything about that. Douglas Spain. Uh, the actor who plays young Chicote, I thought, uh, like, has that that resting, God, Dad is so embarrassing face, you know? <laughs> he really does. <laughs> like, yeah. please do not start a full-on conversation with the server at the restaurant, okay? Yeah. So we learn in this scene that they are looking for a tribe in this region that are uh, descended from the ancient rubber tree people, which is... Um, kind of the English translation of the word Olmec, uh, who are uh, a a real Central American tribe. Whoa. Yeah. Do you think they accidentally got that right? (laughs) (laughs) I I looked up rubber people because I was like, come on, rubber people? And then I was like, oh, shit, it's real. (laughs) Well, the closest thing to the ancient rubber tree people that we'll ever see. This is the first of many wistful flashbacks that Chakotay goes through on this mission. And I got to ask, like, how scary is it when uh, when your XO gets that look in his eyes? <laughs> I don't think it's good at all. Yeah. We always talk about the, like, how long do the flashbacks take? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like... And if they're just standing there looking at him during... Would love to cut back to Neelix and, and Tuvok, like, maybe, like, waving their hand in front of Chakotay's eyes to see, like, hey, buddy, you still there? You still with us? Uh, I never want to get caught flashing back. No, yeah. It that is would... just very embarrassing. Speaking of being caught doing things. Mm. So uh, a buddy of mine were talking about an upcoming visit to Vegas, mm-hmm. and he mentioned that he had been practicing gambling at home. <laughs> <laughs> and I asked him, you know, I think it's a natural question to ask, how does that work? <laughs> yeah, what precisely about gambling were you and practicing? He, and he mentioned that he was practicing rolling dice against his couch as if it were a craps table. <laughs> and his wife caught him rolling his dice. It's so heartbreaking, but I can't stop laughing. Tears are literally streaming down my face thinking about his dumb dice. Is he, is he rolling dice against the couch because he wants to have a cool roll? Like, he wants to look good doing it? Or, like, because he thinks he can develop some trick of the wrist to control what numbers come up? You and I took very different angles at the follow-up questions. (laughs) I went straight to, what did your wife do? What did your wife say? How much trouble are you in? (laughs) Evidently, it was humiliating. Wow. You never want to get caught... Doing anything, really. You don't want to get caught doing anything where it's all in the wrist. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So Chicote stands up from his reverie and explains to Neelix and Tuvok that what they are looking at is a blessing to thank the land for resources that have been extracted from it. And Tuvok is like, what the hell are you talking about? We just found this. How could you possibly know that? And it's uh, very like winky Chicote to theme where he says like, yeah, something somebody just told me one time. After the theme, we've got uh, a pregnant Ensign Wildman, who we remember from earlier episodes. She's up in the stirrups, and uh, the doc has closed the hood, slapped the top of the car, and uh, and told her that, uh, you know, her pregnancy pain is just something she's going to have to endure. Uh, that's how it goes when yeah. you're pregnant. Says me, male hologram. Not exactly crushing it in the bedside manner game, Doc yeah. Holliday. And Kess is there to kind of pick up the pieces of this. Like, Ensign Wildman is in pain and wants help. And uh, the doc's basically telling her to rub some dirt on it. And she kind of leaves disappointed. And Kess uh, turns to the doctor and is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? It's kind of a strange turn for a character who not that long ago was like, why is everyone on the ship always so mean to me? You know, like that was fairly recent when he was like, I'd like people to treat me like a person with feelings and everything. And now he's just a dick. Yeah. Yeah. I actually did read a little bit about the production of this episode. And this is a storyline that was suggested by Robert Picardo. Huh. Mainly because he thought it would be fun to play sick. We talk all the time about uh, the difficulty in playing plausibly drunk. If if acting sick, where on the spectrum of acting challenges sick is in yeah. comparison to drunk even? And I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he, he his perspective here is interesting because he's basically saying, like, we are in an emergency. Like, while the ship is stranded in the Delta Quadrant, people need to step their game up. They need to accept that things will be uncomfortable for them and get get the job done. That's just the way it is. And I think that that's, like a, that's pretty out of step with some of the conversations that Chakotay and the captain have been having lately, which is like, we need to like start considering that this may be a thing we're doing for a very long time, and how do we manage that uh, considering? And the doc is like, the only way I'm able to handle my caseload is by outsourcing compassion. (laughs) (laughs) Which, like, does have some logical sense, I guess. Yeah. But Kess really throws this back in his face. Yeah. She basically says, like, if you you experienced this at all, you would understand it. And this starts a a really fun storyline that we get in a lot of mid-90s comedy TV and movies, Mm -hmm. Doc Holliday is pregnant. (laughs) Yeah. For some reason, he's speaking with an Austrian accent from here on (laughs) in. (laughs) He also has a twin uh, who looks very different from him. (laughs) Yeah. So in the captain's ready room, Chakotay explains to the captain about his vision that he had on the planet and what what it's from, what what he was remembering precisely. This trip that he and his dad took to Earth from their colony on the Cardassian border where uh, his dad was was there looking for their their rubber people 
ancestors. And I guess what we have to take from this is that like the the tribe that they are going to meet up with is like almost all but uncontacted, which I know that there are like a couple of uncontacted tribes in the Amazon still. Right. I don't think that there are uncontacted tribes in Mexico, which is where this would have been taking place, but maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. I guarantee I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> maybe hundreds of years in the future that that could be true. Yeah, they like go back to being uncontacted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we've we've had enough contact yeah. up until we're, now. I think I think we're, we're done. done. We're done. <laughs> They are definitely sketching out that idea of, like, the danger of contact with a uncontacted people uh, who may have some feelings about your attempts to contact them. Yeah, there's a, a consent issue involved and also the specter of colonialism. And, it's uh, not as easy as just, like, blocking them on your phone or your email. Right. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but he actually has photographic evidence to show the captain. He took a picture of the diagram they found on the planet and he has a picture from his trip to earth back when he was a petulant teen. Yeah. And, uh, they, uh, they match the same, the same diagram drawn on the ground in both places. And he starts to describe the, like the sky people myth that the rubber people believed and, Janeway just starts looking, <laughs> looking into the middle distance, like Chakotay's describing a dream he had last night. <laughs> yeah, I mean they start to do like comparative religion. Like yeah. all of this has been like totally disproven by modern science, but uh, but you know these are the old stories of our peoples. Pretty healthy conversation between two people of uh, of different belief systems. There, you know. Yeah, and. And this is like more like Chicote more on the rational secular side of the belief system than he often is. Like mm -hmm. he is talking about it as like, you know, like not all of this is stuff that I place a ton of stock in, but I, uh, you know, it was really meaningful to my dad. And I've like tried to like stay in touch with the traditions at the very least. I think one reason why Chicote and Harry Kim aren't good friends right now and maybe will be down the road is... Because when Chakotay told Harry Kim about the rubber tree people, Harry Kim was like, I too am a rubber person. I put a condom on uh, when I go out on a date, just yeah. so I'm always wearing it. So I, th I, I throw a rubber on the old tree. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Can't be too careful. Yeah. So they've, they've also picked up a warp signature leaving this moon. So they, they follow it and they find another planet. This actually has is showing some signs of maybe having the mineral that they're looking for, and uh, they're scanning. They're not finding any uh, signs of life, but they are finding some kind of interesting energy readings. So they think, like, maybe there's a cloaking device or something to mm -hmm. obscure the ship or the people that are down there. Uh, and so they're like... They're, they start transmitting, like, we come in peace messages and then start to put together plans for an away mission to go get a load of these minerals and see if they can be extracted. There's coffee in the polypharonite. We need to seal the warp coils. And uh, for some reason, Neelix is invited <laughs> to this outing. I don't know if it is ever resolved as, as to why he's there for this. Well, I yeah, guess that you can uh, gather plants at the same time, right? 
Tuvok, BLT, and Chakotay are headed down to the transporter room, and the captain is like, Wait, I want to make sure somebody is there to carry on about orchids while you're down there. <laughs> Stop by the mess hall and grab Mr. Neelix on your way. The next scene is so frustrating, because they're in the transporter room and everyone's ready to go. Yeah. I wonder if they explored the idea of having them on the transporter pad and not <laughs> and not being able to transport. Instead, they're sort of gathered around the panel yeah. where it's been made clear that they're unable to beam down there but it would be sillier they're playing like transporter whack-a-mole where every time yeah. they pick a spot a a electrical storm forms in that spot yeah and uh, so they're like fine fuck it we'll take a shuttlecraft and that's and what neelix is like no way <laughs> <laughs> uh so they uh they head down there a, an electrical storm forms around the shuttlecraft, which uh, Neelix is like, I can't believe they talked me into this. <laughs> this is yeah. absolutely nuts. And as they uh, as they traverse this storm is is when Chakotay has his second flashback. Yeah, and it's a truly concentrated moment of a father's unwelcome folksy wisdom during a time of just great discomfort that the son is having like who gives a shit about your 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 philosophy when you're being literally eaten by mosquitoes you know like <laughs> there is no embracing of the bug bite here yeah it was a mistake to bring you i'm sorry Colapack is suggesting that if chicote made peace with the bugs maybe they would stop eating him and Chicote has to explain how the uh, how the ecosystem works. works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we get a uh, an interesting appearance from uh, Talerica David in this scene. He walks in and he says, "The Wandering Bear episode may be a regrettable moment in the history of my show, but this makes me look really good." <laughs> Would it be racist for me to imply that Kolopek would know an herbal remedy for a numb vagina? <laughs> would you, Chicote's father, mind watching this laptop? <laughs> I must be on my way. <laughs> the guy who left it here ran to the bathroom. I'm sure he'll be back shortly. Uh, we cut right over to Six Bay, like... You really get the bends going back and forth from, like, Dustbuster Club Chicote to Flashback Chicote to Six Bay, where, uh, where Doc is full-on overcome by the sneezes. That's because he's infected himself with the 29-hour Lebodian flu, which sounds way more appropriate for television than the Lebedoan flu, mm, which yeah. I think was probably the first draft, right? Yeah, you're sneezing out of a different thing with that one. <laughs> Uh, equally snotty, probably. Yeah, yeah. you're going to go through just as many Kleenex. Yeah, a great amount of discharge for both. Yeah. Doc uses hollow tissues, though. Like, we're aware of, like, the the glittery napkin of a TNG dinner party, right? Break out the, the glittery rag. Yeah, For right. For nose blowing, you're going to get a raw nose, a raw hollow nose. <laughs> I mean, but this is all hubris, right? So he doesn't, he's not even sweating that. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to be hollow uncomfortable for 29 hours. Yeah. I'm going to be as hollow uncomfortable as I can be. 
He's really going through the tissues. Yeah, you're right. He makes extra clear to say that they're just for him. Yeah. What would happen if you blasted into a hollow tissue? It wouldn't be there. Yeah. You, you just like shoot on the floor. If you blasted into a hollow tissue and then walked out into the hallway <laughs> looking for a dustbin, <laughs> you'd be in big trouble. Oh, man, that would be so embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> More embarrassing than being caught uh, rolling your dice. What the hell are they even talking about? Yeah. Enter Harry Kim, who is there for an unspecified illness that we can assume is something like the Dennis Rodman broken dick <laughs> we are we aren't able to uh, to get his diagnosis by the doc doc i don't feel so good they cut away from this scene for a reason yeah what was the the piece of equipment that blt was using she had like a m- much beefier looking like a super tricorder almost <laughs> like uh in the same way that you get the phone with the big buttons for the old people this is <laughs> <laughs> if your uh, if your eyesight's failing, you want to go for the big tricorder, right? Yeah. So, uh, BLT, I guess, like forgot her contacts on the ship and yeah. uh, had to pull the big one from the the uh, bunk bed. They're kind of a, stunned to find familiar Earth based flora and fauna here. They see a hawk in the air. They see uh, orchid on the ground, and this triggers another flashback uh, where. Uh, young Chakotay explains to Kolopak that he has uh, s- been accepted to Starfleet Academy. Do you remember how hard it was for Wesley Crusher? Wesley, the boy. The boy. Young Wesley Crusher. My son. To get accepted to Starfleet Academy? Mr. Mordock will be the candidate. His results were slightly higher than Mr. Crusher's. I do remember. I don't remember who sponsored Wesley Crusher, but it's made abundantly clear that Captain Sulu sponsored the younger Chakotay. I think you've got a little something called it. <laughs> I, too, disliked my father. <laughs> we did not exactly see eye to eye. I think you should go to San Francisco. I was born there. <laughs> All right, we all know. <laughs> if I ever run into your father, he's going to be in big trouble. I'm going to simply throw him over my shoulder and across the room. <laughs> Starfleet Academy accepts you at 15. Is this like running start? Is that what this is? I don't know. It just makes me think like maybe Chakotay is better than Wesley Crusher in terms of like his academics and ability to pass Kobayashi Maru-like mind games. Like, oh, no. you remember that, that, like, the application process to get into Starfleet Academy included an incredibly traumatic simulation of Wesley <laughs> having to, like, let a guy get crushed under a girder? Yeah. What fun is in store for 15-year-old Chakotay from here? <laughs> yeah. Is there any wonder he turned Maquis? <laughs> you go through something like that, I bet the washout rate, you wash out of Starfleet Academy and wash in to Maquis. Yeah. So in the flashback, they find like a like a hut or like some kind of some kind of structure, and um, and then he's kind of called out of his reverie by uh, Neelix getting hurt. They hear him through the forest getting hurt, and they run up to him, and that that bird has clawed at his eye, tried to claw his eye right out of his head. 
It's a real gruesome scene. I think they did a great job with the, the makeup here. And and with Ethan Phillips's performance, too. I was disgusted by it. What did you think of Chakotay's performance when the bird came in at his head? <laughs> it's a really fun arm flailing. There's like a couple of cuts on him flailing his arms. And then he gets like a, there's like a superimposed image of like a frozen man's face as the bird approaches. <laughs> I love the conflict between like 24th century space people armed with dustbusters and Hawk and how, <laughs> and how they're totally defenseless against Hawk. I mean, I would feel really bad to shoot a Hawk, but if it was, if it had just almost killed my friend and was coming at me in the same way, I think you got to get the dustbuster out. You can't let the Hawk get a second strike in, right? <laughs> This is like one of the most devastating away team missions in Starfleet history at the hands of a hawk. Yeah. And uh, and Neelix is dead here. Yeah. R.I.P. I was sort of surprised that they were able to emergency beam Neelix up. It seems like you can beam up, but you can't beam down. It's like a one-way filter. I thought the same thing here. Like, good thing that uh, we can conveniently do this <laughs> in this moment. Yeah. Uh, but they find a a structure not really like the one that uh, young Chakotay found on Earth, but much more uh, modern materials kind of structure uh, here in the forest. And kind uh, of a modern raw material construction technique here. Yeah, yeah, maybe three D printed. Coffee uh-huh. black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. The doctor explains to Neelix that uh, his eye could have gotten snatched if he wasn't a little bit luckier. Uh, the doc is is sneezing, and stupid Neelix thinks that he can catch the holographic illness. I don't know, man. Like, if if your hollow doctor is sneezing into your empty ocular cavity, I think you'd be grossed out by that, too. Yeah, I guess so. Like, if the doctor is a really convincing hologram, it's probably hard to keep at front of mind that he's not really there. I wonder if the same technique deployed to fix Neelix's eye is similar to what he used to fix Kim's dick. We have no spare Talaxian eyeballs. Some real sturdy flesh mm-hmm. going yeah, into the hole there. I, they, they, they cut some of the beginning of that scene where the doctor is like waving the light over Neelix's eye and he's like, oh shit, I need to clean this off. <laughs> Hold on one sec. On the bridge, Chakotay thinks the people of the planet left pretty quickly and everyone thinks it's a little strange that a warp capable people slash society choose to and then there's like a gesturing around live like this (laughs) (laughs) which is pretty disparaging toward Chakotay and his people I think in that context yeah because all he's done is talk about you know how how he has very nostalgic feelings for what he's seeing down there I mean they've got this They've got a bead on this on this mineral that they want, and they're like, "Well, if this is if if somebody lives on this planet, we do want to like make sure it's cool with them if they if we extract some of this." Yeah, there's like a, a lake of ship diuretic just under the surface. Yeah, they want to <laughs> stick the the straw into and get. <laughs> Chakotay reports that he's been seeing this uh, this face, and. Uh, 
this is another episode. There'd been a, a bit of a rich tradition in season two now of uh, characters being pretty quick to admit that they are uh, ha- uh, suffering delusions and it being met with like zero judgment or even concern of their fitness for duty. <laughs> I could totally get with the non-judgment zone here, but uh, I think we got to take some time off yeah. if we're seeing things that aren't there. I mean, like he gets off the radio with the captain and it immediately orders Tuvok and BLT to drop their phasers on the ground and they're like hey uh, aren't you the guy that just admitted that you're experiencing <laughs> shit that's not really happening <laughs> maybe that's a terrible idea I love this cut though because when they set down their dustbusters what we see are old ass phasers being set down yeah by the walkabout group because we tilt back up and see that's who we're with suddenly and the people that come out of the forest in this moment are not totally human they have loaf they have loaf and they're wearing rubbers around their genitals <laughs> like already nothing i've been told about these people is correct probably the first time we've seen an erect penis with a condom on it on star trek yeah it won't be the last though yeah it's basically every other scene in discovery <laughs> Um, so th- this is one of those uh, modern people meet primitive people scenes where it's a little touch and go, some spears get thrown until Colopak is able to draw the uh, spirally design on the ground for them and, and uh, demonstrate that they're friends, demonstrate that they have some familiarity <laughs> with their culture. He and- draws the cool S into the dirt and he's like <laughs> you, you see what this is right yeah. it's pretty cool you went to middle school <laughs> and finally we start to get some some subtitles for the spoken language of mm-hmm. the of the rubber people i guess they they're like the descendants of the rubber people i mean like there are people who are olmec in Mexico, like that have Olmec heritage that don't have giant forehead ridges like these guys. Son of rubber people doesn't even make any sense, man. <laughs> what was the rubber even for? I feel like it's like a weird choice that they have loaf. Are they supposed to have like alien genetics or something? I mean, we hear the story later. Yeah. This is a moment less about why the rubber people have loaf and more about young Chakotay seeing his father, who he thought was a total Dorcas up until now, do something cool. Which is get a face tattoo, like, within 30 seconds of meeting these people. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Chakotay's dad is the one who doesn't really party anymore since college, but who gets invited out (laughs) to the bachelor party and is like... All in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dad away from family level of party energy. Yeah. Yeah. But Chakotay the Younger uh, does not feel the same way in this mixed company. Like, there's a moment where, like, their clothes are ripped from their bodies and they're being redressed by the rubber people. Chakotay doesn't want this. Yeah. He's, he's got like, his eye on the, on, the, on the Starfleet Academy prize. He's like, no, I spent my own money on this at Urban Outfitters. <laughs> I don't want your dumb clothes. I know I'll wash it once and it'll just turn to ashes, but I don't care. <laughs> so they've put their their phasers down and the wind starts to pick up back in the present and they decide to make a run for it. They got to run back to the shuttle 
they're running, like trees are coming down here in the Sears Garden Center that they've beamed down to. And uh, one of them KOs Chakotay right after seeing a a person running around with the same loaf as uh, as the rubber people in the flashback. So Tuvok and BLT get emergency beamed out, but because uh, this tree knocked his combat off, Chakotay is stranded here in the garden center. We're here in our local home improvement center (laughs) where we've been locked in after closing. No one knows that we're here because we've been rummaging around in the steel looking for some super straight lumber for a project we're working on later. Fortunately for us... Jen Nawada has joined us on this adventure, and she's going to show us what some of the edible plants are in the garden center. (laughs) Again, we've talked about the difficulty in act drunk. We've talked about the difficulty in act sick. Mm -hmm. And now, perhaps the greatest acting challenge, act like a tree is falling on you. an extreme challenge for any actor. Very hard to sell when the tree also has to fall in a way that doesn't actually hurt you. Right. Yeah. That had to be a fun day on set. Like, they're just dropping trees on Robert Beltran for an hour. Yeah, it's the same challenge as picking up a boulder that's made out of styrofoam and trying to right. make it look heavy. And yeah. I mean, not terrible. It's fine. This is the difficulty that... Uh, that Tuvok and BLT have in describing the scene to Janeway on the bridge. They're like, look, we saw a tree come down on Chakotay. It looked weird. Like, <laughs> I couldn't tell if it were if it were too light for its size or maybe it's just made out of something that we're unfamiliar with because we're on a weird planet. Or like it wasn't blowing down so much as being lowered. <laughs> and like Chakotay sort of caught it in his hands and then brought it towards his chest. I don't understand what could have happened to him. Janeway is just as bewildered by this as anyone else. She decides to lead a Dustbuster Club back down there. The shuttle is missing. Like, they can't find it. And so she's like, well, this is as good an excuse as any as I've had to get off the bridge all day. (laughs) We're going down there. We're going to get some answers. Uh, And she's, like, trying to march off the bridge when... Doc Holliday radios up to the bridge in a great amount of distress because he is still sick and his 29-hour uh, illness is uh, is still in effect. 30 hours in, and that's the concern. He's like, I thought I set it up so that I'd know when this thing was going to end. Yeah. He's freaking out. You know, Kaz is trying to, trying to help calm him down. It's, it's got to be some problem with the program that he wrote for his illness. Harry Kim is sent down there to look after him. And Harry's like, oh, Doc? Yeah, I, I got him. Love that guy. He helped me with my, my broken dong. Harry, your penis works now, right? <laughs> Put that thing to work. <laughs> but, but Harry Kim is, uh, is just turned into an audience for this moment. Yeah. Because Kess has put the doctor into the ball-kicking machine. Yeah. She's doing bits on sickness. Yeah. And it's great. She extended the illness just a little bit because it's not a fair test if you know exactly how long you're going to be ill. Yeah. And uh, I love Harry Kim laughing in the doctor's face in this moment. (laughs) Great. He's got that fixed dick energy. (laughs) 
One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I've got to get that platinum. Get that roll bed enlargement. I've got to get that platinum. What now? Are you planning a heist? Gold. So Chakotay comes to, the storm has cleared, and he... He's still under that tree, though. Yeah. So he gets out from under it and heads back to the structure, and he's kind of talking to the forest. He knows these people are, you know, in listening range. 
and uh, remembering the costume change that uh, his his uh, traveling party went through in his Earth expedition, he decides to change into the local clothing of these people. I don't believe this. You're going to put that thing on and parade around like one of them? Which is a local backzip. It's a type of pajamas that, uh, you know, he doesn't have anybody to help him get this zipper up, and uh, I think that's very impressive. That's what I was thinking. He turns around and I'm like, is this like a wetsuit with a zipper and a long a long oh, yeah, pole? Like a lanyard on it. <laughs> I was thinking about how funny it would be if the thing just did not fit him. Like <laughs> at all. Oh, this is for like a, a five foot three woman. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just get back into my uh, other clothes. I'm not going to be able to get in this. This display of nudity is extremely confident by Chakotay, <laughs> and it made me wonder why there wasn't a nude Chakotay Playmates action figure. <laughs> Maybe there is. Maybe that'll be on an upcoming mail call that somebody will find one of those and send it in. I love I love how the scene is blocked. They do like the Austin Powersing of the things in the foreground covering him up. <laughs> there's no there's no Starfleet Merkin that we know about at this point. No. Um, they decide to land the entire ship. They're not. Uh, they're not doing just a little away mission after all. They're gonna. They're gonna go to blue alert. Uh, but before long, it's actually red alert. the The storm kicks up so much that uh, it knocks inertial dampers offline. The ship is running out of power. They need BLT to like re reroute something and. It's like they're they, they are falling fast enough that they'll be dead in 10 minutes and she needs 20 minutes to get it done. I love what Tuvok does here, like mid-emergency. He calls it like he sees it. The aliens have been able to intensify their response now that they are familiar with our capabilities. He's like the guy in an elevator that's falling and he's like, <laughs> I think something's wrong with the cables of this elevator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Chakotay... Uh, Trapses past some lightning and finds himself in some Star Trek caves where he uh, starts to hear the ancient language of the rubber people and um, and out from uh, one of the uh, one of the tunnels in this cave comes Richard Fancy, a real that guy. <laughs> one of the great names one of, of the all greatest time. names <laughs> Dick Fancy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Chakotay's got to apologize here. The only the only words he knows are bathroom and library. They <laughs> he just cannot communicate with this person. <laughs> but he's able to make the diagram. He's been you know he's been trained in uh, drawing shapes in the dirt, mm-hmm. and that uh, that works for Dick Fancy, who finally uh, find you know he rummages around in his pockets and finds a universal translator, uh, and. Uh, Gives that to Chakotay, and uh, they're able to have a conversation. Yeah, and this guy has rolled in with a posse, right? So, like, the the expectation I had, at least, was, like, these guys built their fort out of these ancient raw materials, and they're wearing, you know, like, backzip robes or whatever, like... But they also have warp capabilities, so that's weird. But, like, the posse has phaser rifles. Yeah. And the lead guy has the same tattoo as Chakotay. Which he can't he can't wrap his mind around, and it is really sad to learn that while Chakotay understands himself to be a descendant of 
the rubber people. He doesn't have any special supernatural memory of Dick Fancy's people. <laughs> uh, which which he's supposed to have, right? Like the the he uh they're called the inheritors, I think. And the uh and the story he tells is like we are ancient aliens who traveled to Earth and gave a special gift of like language and uh and culture to the progenitors of the rubber people and they like moved out of the arctic which is where we found them for some reason down to central america where they started a civilization and then like you know we've been checking back in on them like every you know several dozen generations and we've we've found that they got really royally fucked over by all the other humans on earth so uh we just assumed you were all dead the hubris of this story is amazing (laughs) <laughs> the the history of the Native American people slightly abridged <laughs> with explanations for their uh for their diaspora or whatever right. like whoa <laughs> yeah i mean like there's a lot of like fun made of like the ancient aliens guy on history mm-hmm. channel and stuff but that is like a like that whole like line of inquiry has a pretty racist history which is like this theory from like the late 60s about like how are all these like amazing ruins discoverable in parts of the world outside of western europe well maybe the pyramids were made by aliens and not people oh like the the racism is like there's no way those people were smart enough to do that without some sort of alien intervention yeah there's like a there's a book called the uh, chariots of the gods that mm-hmm. that like is the kind of I mean, I, I don't think it, I don't think the guy like came up with it, but he like formalized it as a theory, and it's like um, pretty. I've like, been wanting to borrow that from you, but you you say you're <laughs> you're on your third reread, so listen, man. I'll all the pages are stuck together at this point. <laughs> it's not going to be of much use to you unless you walk it out of the holodeck. Benjamin R. Harrison jacking off to chariots <laughs> of the gods. <laughs> But if, as if this episode didn't give us enough to give, give, to have misgivings about, like, that is like, I mean, but it's also like a thing that sci-fi loves to explore. Like, it's also the engineers in Prometheus and Uh like, it's, I think there are good and bad ways to do it. And I don't think that this is the worst way. Like, it doesn't, I don't think it's like beyond redemption or anything. And I I think there's a lot to recommend this episode also, but like, I think that it's a bit unfortunate that this story like definitely arrives due to that tradition. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just, I felt like I I know we like didn't want (laughs) to, didn't want to make this uh, an episode about that kind of shit, but I, I think it's worth pointing out. Yeah. It's always worth taking a tour of your bookshelf, Ben. <laughs> I think one of the most interesting things about this scene, though, is that, like, like colonialism and war and the bad shit about humans uh, wiped out the rubber people. And, and as far as, uh, as these guys could tell, uh, caused them to disappear from the face of the Earth. And, and when the Voyager showed up at their planet with a message of, we come in peace... Like, they did not interpret that literally. They interpreted it as the message of conquerors. And I think that that does serve to turn this on its head a little bit. Right. And, I mean, that is an unsurprising takeaway 
by you, Ben. <laughs> the the main takeaway that I got from this moment is like, hey, they're wearing the same tattoo and Chicote and the rubber man or the sky spirit or whoever this guy is might be, you know, cut from the same cloth or whatever, but like they're not the same. Yeah. And just cuz they look alike and and are from the same like group of people, they seem surprised, at least the the elder rubber man seems surprised that uh, Chicote can't get on his level about this. It's a it's a big disappointment, but uh Chicote is able to convince him that the uh their intentions are entirely uh noble and uh and no sooner has that been accepted than the the storm that is causing the Voyager to plummet toward the planet's surface ceases and uh they're able to stabilize and get their inertial dampers back and everything. I really like all the shots of the of the spinning Voyager. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, that was great stuff. Um I feel like like I saw those effects and I was like I bet they are going to reuse these. <laughs> like, yeah. The ship spinning toward a butthole just like recolor those clouds and like throw a little lightning effect in and that's a nebula you know so this is like the breakthrough that chakotay has with the with the sky spirit dissolves the tornado the storm is gone and suddenly like the the settlements are the population is visible like the cloak is off they're they're getting a population reading on their sensors uh it seems like finding chakotay is now possible too yeah these guys don't have any special fast travel technology that he explains that their trips to earth take two generations there and and back so that's a drag but he is able to help them out with a supply of this mineral not as much as they had hoped but uh enough to make a difference and uh it's like uh hey man really glad we could catch up good to hear the news about the inheritors um we'll uh we'll make sure to poke our heads in in the next couple dozen generations there's a very animated energy at the end of this scene though which is like they they've they've bonded and it's good and chakotay tells this person about his dead dad and how he died fighting which is something the sky spirit can respect and tuvok enters dustbuster out and this <laughs> Like, it's a very benign look. Like, you see a Dustbuster club with Dustbusters out exploring a home and garden center all the time. Yeah. But it looks grotesque in this context after after experiencing this bond form between Chakotay and the Sky Spirit. And when, when Chakotay approaches with it out, the <laughs> look that Chakotay flashes him is, like, pure anger. Yeah. And I really like that part of the the story and the performance. I do too. I think that um, you're right. Like it's so hard to see phasers in a different way, but mm-hmm. like around this character, they're like almost embarrassing that they carry them everywhere they go. If you want to party with us, Tuvok, you got to take off that tight uniform. <laughs> Get yourself into one of these jumbo back zips. <laughs> Very flowy. Yeah. Very comfy. Yeah. Start drawing S's on the ground with us. Mm-hmm. You know how to do it. <laughs> do you think Bill Tilly is going to be able to Photoshop some dirt to have the cool S on it? Um, I'm positive. <laughs> positive. The symbol, which is an S. <laughs> Tuvok knows it well. Kind of an abrupt end to this one because uh, 
Because when Chakotay looks up at the hawk, there's this moment where you finally feel like he's come full circle. You know, he mentioned something about finally being able to hear the thing he's been trying to hear all these years. What is that? What, what has he been trying to hear? Is it is hearing the hawk a, a metaphor for like a greater understanding of his heritage? Is it like hearing his dad's voice? Does that hawk still have Neelix's eyeball in its talons? We cut to the nest and the hawk is regurgitating an eyeball into the <laughs> into the nest for its little hawk chicks. Yeah. It's probably the best meal that Neelix has ever made. <laughs> and that's how abruptly the episode ends. They beam away and we get the credits and that's it. That's true. Did you like this episode, Adam? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. I'm glad that I stepped to this episode uh, with an open mind and didn't treat it as a as a project. <laughs> you know, I think there's a, there's some enjoyment to be had here. I mean, look, we haven't been great big fans of Chakotay for a long time now, uh, though he is back in our good graces after some very good facial expressions. Yes. A couple of episodes ago. I, I would say just getting in the back zip in this episode, I was like, this is fucking rules. This is <laughs> <Yeah>. great. <laughs> yeah, good Chakotay episode. And I I won't say that I understand him any more than I do now because it feels like a very cliche kind of kid doesn't understand his dad. Kid finally understands his dad by the end because he went through an adventure with some rubber people. That's fine. Whatever. But I like the I like the core message of this thing being something like being an individual isn't antithetical to repping the collective good. You know, like you can still be both. Yeah. And that's what Chicote is. Like he he rejected his dad's old timiness because he wanted to set out and do his own thing. But that doesn't mean that that he's just a solo operator for for everything, for his entire life. He just wanted to go do something else, and he's working for the collective good. And I think that's noble and good of him. Yeah, I mean, if if we're taking that one step in, I really agree. Like, I think this is a good episode, despite many cringy things that happen in it. The central thrust of it worked for me, and it's brisk, and it's, like, complex, and I think it kind of, like achieves largely what it set out to achieve and stayed really interesting. And even if I don't agree with everything that it proposes about Chakotay or his culture, I think it says all of this stuff in interesting ways and like gives um, interesting context for like how it got to those things. I don't agree with everything they're saying in this episode, but I'll fight to the death for this episode's <laughs> right to say it. Brave. Brave, Adam. Yeah. Not all podcast heroes wear headphones. Well, I'm ready to see how many of the cool S's might be in our Priority One messages this week. You want to go check out what's in store for us there? Yeah, I guess we could do that. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first priority one message is of a promotional nature. All right. It goes like this. Hey, friends of DeSoto, is Neelix's Delta Quadrant cuisine getting you down? 
Tired of the same old replicator rations? Check out the Hot Oven Time Machine podcast. (laughs) Every other week, your hosts Joseph and Monty explore the history of their favorite desserts. Wow. And then bacon rate said desserts. Dang. We are covering our favorite desserts from all four quadrants of the galaxy, except for Hoosnock recipes. We can't find any of those. (laughs) Do you think Kevin could point us in the right direction? I would love to point you in the right direction, but as I believe you've already come to understand, their recipe books disappeared with the people and the ships when I thought them out of existence. There was a time when I was friendly with the Hoosnock, and we had many meals together before I decided to exterminate them. It's a species of hideous intelligence, and they're actually the first species to figure out the adding a little bit of salt to bring out the sweet (laughs) idea. But at a certain point, you've had too many bowls of salted caramel ice cream, and you just have had too much. And (laughs) that's when it's time to go as an entire species. You know, I don't like to overeat before I go home to my fake rubber wife, Rashan. <laughs> One of the original rubber people. So search for Hot Oven Time Machine on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Wow. And subscribe. That sounds great. If you get a sweet tooth, or if you enjoy food history, sounds like that's a great podcast to check out. Yeah, yeah. Adam, our next priority one message is of a personal nature, and it's from your floofy-haired Amber, and it's to my love, Jeff. Wishing Jeff a joyful 30th birthday, as it's definitely his first 30th birthday. (laughs) You're impossible to get gifts for, but this year you get the best gift of all. Congratulations, honey. You've officially turned me into a nerd. Happy that we could be slightly embarrassed to listen to this Star Trek podcast together now. Wow, happy birthday, Jeff. Uh, sounds like uh, sounds like you've been ringing the 30 bell for a little while now, and uh, this is also coming very late, since uh, we were supposed to read this in February. <laughs> yeah, uh, no kidding. So uh, maybe just save it for your next 30th birthday, why don't you? Jeff's probably had several 30th birthdays since since February. Yeah. We can only Happy assume. birthday, Jeff. Happy birthday. You know, you get to a certain age and you become impossible to get a gift for. Right. I think Amber solved that problem. Yeah, she became a nerd. Here. That's, the, yeah. that's the greatest gift of all. Yeah. Yeah, change yourself for the person you're giving a gift to. <laughs> the best <laughs> gift. Indeed. Ben, our final priority one message is from a waffle in Belgium, and it's wow. to Ben and Adam. That message goes like this. Thank you for bringing joy and laughter to this crazy sector of space-time we live in. I hope that one day I can catch a Greatest Gen Con live. Maybe you can bring the tour to Europe? Or sell live stream tickets? Please? <laughs> anyway, thank you for being you. P.S. May I request Kevin Uxbridge arguing with Vichy Frenchman. I love your impression so much. Kevin Uxbridge has always been on this episode. Bringing him back again would be a war crime. Could you please keep it down? I'm trying to watch F9. I thought this was a free country. Am I not allowed to express my opinion? I am so angry right now. 
I'm finally comfortable returning to a movie theater. And you're ruining it for everyone. You know who you- what everyone you ruin it for is all of the Husnak! You're the biggest war criminal of them all! I promised I would never do this after the Husnak. Oh, this is much better. There's nothing but a wet movie theater sheet in front of me. <laughs> Finally, I can get back to enjoying the film as it was intended, completely free of the Vichy French. Wow, so uh, I think it's official, Ben. Wow. Kevin Uxbridge has murdered the Vichy Frenchman. He's dead, he's gone. And he's gone forever. Oh my God. You know, with great P1 comes great responsibility. <laughs> I'd be careful about what you request there. Uh, you yeah. can send us a message, including a request, over at MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. And Jumbotron messages are, are one of the main ways that... <laughs> to influence canon on this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, influence canon, support the show. It's all, it's all greatly appreciated. Hey, Adam. What's up, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! Short and sweet. You get naked, you get my Shimoda. It's Chakotay. <laughs> Easy. Done. You wave your arms over your head to prevent a hawk from grabbing you instead of shooting it with a dustbuster. You get mine. You catch a giant styrofoam tree and do like a, a slowly descending bench press with it. <laughs> yeah. Easy. Wow. Daily Chakotay. Double. Congratulations, Chicote. You got the episode and you got both Shimodas. He did so much that was Shimoda worthy this ep, it almost seems unfair that he's just getting two Shimodas. <laughs> it was a real spectacular showing. You should get a bunch. Yeah. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right. Well, uh, Adam, why don't you head over to the Game of Buttholes? The Will of the Caretaker at gach.biz slash game. And I will tell you about our next episode here on the program. It's a season two, episode 10, Cold Fire. Kess makes contact with Ocampa spacefarers and the female caretaker who may have the power to send the crew home. What? This could be the last episode of Voyager, Adam. That sounds great. I had forgotten all about the caretaker. Yeah. Banjo Man. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. The password for the game of buttholes has appeared in a data leak, which puts this account at a high risk of compromise. Oh, no. I'm sure that's fine. Just going to disregard that message. <laughs> and... Uh, Look at where our runabout is on the game of buttholes. It turns out uh, we are squatting on square seven. A couple boxes ahead, we've got a The Caretaker episode. So that would be... That would be very interesting. That'd be coincidental. Yeah. All right, Ben. Got the die in my hand. Roll them. I have rolled a two. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Which has obligated us to a regular old episode next week and puts us on the doorstep of that caretaker wow. app. Uh, well, that, safe and sound that, for the moment. That maybe feels even more appropriate, the doorstep of a caretaker. Yeah. Yeah, right. so there it is. There it is, Adam. Uh, well, 
Uh, we sure appreciate everybody that supports the show in all of the different ways that there are to support the show. Uh, of course, folks that support at MaximumFun.org slash join, but also the folks that support by leaving a nice review on Apple Podcasts or recommend the show to a friend or, uh, you know, like go over to their parents' house and download episodes of the show on their parents' iPad or whatever. Um, all of that stuff is, is deeply appreciated. Yeah, I mean, every download helps. I think that's clear. Yeah. Uh, we also appreciate Adam Ragusea, who made the original theme music for the program, riffing off of Dark Materia's Picard song. Appreciate all of that music help, and uh, we recommend Adam Ragusea's cooking channel on YouTube. Yeah, that's not the only place to find a bunch of friends of DeSoto. Just about everywhere on the internet is a place where you can find them. Uh, our social media manager, Bill Tilly, you can find him on Twitter at BillTilly1973. He is responsible for the fun and hilarious Greatest Generation trading cards. But uh, he's also out in those social media streets. I'm talking about DrunkShimoto.com, the Discord, uh, the Facebook pages, on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. Friends of DeSoto everywhere, talking about the show, talking to each other, talking about the hobbies they're interested in. Yeah. They're not just always talking about us. That would be weird. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, they're making friends with each other. They're, in some cases, dating each other, fucking each other. Yeah. Getting married. It's a whole thing. Get a room, you friends of DeSoto. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty great. It's, it, it rules. Um... Yeah, thanks to thanks to everyone for listening in. Hey, uh, probably still going on as of this episode. We are looking for a new producer, and if you would like to apply for that job, send a resume to jobs at uxbridgeshimoda.com. And uh, if you've got like a reel or something we can listen to that you have done the editing on. Uh, we're looking for we're we're looking to hire a full time uh, production person to help us make our podcasts. So, uh, if you think that might be you, please apply. Yeah, make sure uh, a part of your application or cover letter uh, just has a has a dick joke or something. You know, <laughs> like I want to get a sense of your sense of humor. Yeah, I think that's important. I mean, that one that would get us in trouble with HR, but you know. No. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, speaking of, we're also looking to hire an HR person. So. <laughs> you can uh, you can submit at the same email address. Yeah. Um, well, uh, with all that being said, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that uh, is uh, maybe going to meet a banjo woman. You know, I firmly believe uh, that a banjo woman can play a banjo just as good as a man. <laughs> That's very progressive of you. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.